You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Moultrie Mobile. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up to the minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first of its kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. And this episode was supposed to be out the week of or the week after the ATA show. But COVID hit, a whole bunch of parties involved, and it got pushed back and rescheduled. And then my life had some curveballs in it. And here we are now halfway through February or almost halfway through February and uh, finally getting to launch this episode and what this episode is is I'll be talking with uh, one of my buddies Cameron Stover now if you've heard Cameron Stover on this uh, podcast before it's because he is the owner of the hunting gear deals website and so he goes there every year and he t- uh, to the ATA show every year, and he takes a look around. He re- gets a real in-depth analysis of the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, products that kind of pop up uh, at the ATA show. We talk about new products. We talk about hits and misses. We talk about companies that aren't necessarily copycatting each other, but bringing products into their lineup that other companies already have so like filling gaps in their in their product line and uh, a whole bunch of other really good conversations uh, based off of uh, the ATA show this year that unfortunately I was not able to go to but either way um, that's what it is that's what today's topic is about so now uh, we're going to do a, a real quick commercial block here if you guys are looking for some badass apparel, head on over to theaverageconservationist.com. Take a look at their hoodies, their t-shirts, their hats. One of my favorite hats, what's this one called? It's called the General Hat, and uh, it looks like something a general would wear. It's pretty badass. It's got three stars on it. Big, bold, uh, big, bold lettering. Really good fit. The t-shirts are also those those fits that they, they, they make a guy like me with some love handles look pretty good. Uh, tied around all the right spots but loose in all the other spots so uh, check out theaverageconservationist.com one of the cool things about this company is that 
Right off the top, they give 10% of all earnings to some form of a conservation fund. This makes them 2% for conservation certified. They also have a podcast on the Sportsman's Nation network here, so make sure you listen for that. Uh, And I do have a discount code. If you want to save 10% off of your purchase, enter the discount code NFC10 for 10% off. Next is Hunt Stand, and actually, I'm going to be using hunt stand a lot over the next handful of weeks while the snow was still on the ground and uh, before i procrastinate into the spring when there's all these leaves on the tree i'm gonna get out i'm gonna do some scouting i'm gonna do some shed hunting i'm gonna be marking rubs and scrapes and active trails and edge and bedding areas and what this does is it allows me to uh how do i put this uh put together a journal a digital journal of everything that I observe and notice and how deer walk through the the landscape. And then what you do over time is that just, it almost helps you forecast deer movement with all the information that you have gained and documented on HuntStand. Um, so if you want to find out more information about HuntStand, visit HuntStand.com. Um, you can download it for free, but if you want to upgrade to the next level, it's only 30 bucks. So it's a badass fully functional uh podcast or excuse me uh, uh mobile app that you can download um i think from their website or anywhere uh podcast or uh apps can be downloaded i got mobile mouth on that one but uh next is like i said i'm still trying to get lone wolf the the old lone wolf guys to come on and talk about novex basically the the tree stand company made in america badass tree stands right same functionality as the old lone wolf's um, made in America, quiet, all, easy to set up, easy to tear down, four sticks, and uh, their their small stand can get me anywhere that I need to go. So go, go to Novex's website, check it out, and you'll see that a lot of the products are similar to the old Lone Wolf, um, but just in this new brand. This is not a rebrand, it's a new company uh, with some of the similar products as the old Lone Wolf, so... Uh, I strongly recommend going and checking those out if you are looking to uh, up, you know, get more mobile in your setup. So go to Novex. All right. So I'm looking here. I think we're done. Be sure that you guys are downloading or subscribing to the Hunting Gear podcast or the Sportsman's Nation feed, wherever you download your uh, your podcast. Also go to Instagram and uh, follow the Nine Finger Chronicles and follow the. Uh, the uh, sportsman's nation feed as well a lot of cool information and friendly reminders coming in out of that and other than that man uh here goes another badass episode all right on the phone with me today mr cameron stover cameron how we doing man doing well dan thanks for having me yeah absolutely absolutely so you went to the ata show and you got covid absolutely seems like everybody (laughs) i talked to you get covid and, uh, overall, it wasn't too bad. Uh, yeah. but I ended up getting almost like strep throat and couldn't talk for five days. Uh, yeah. It didn't feel too bad. I just couldn't talk. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the people that I went with and a lot of people that I talked to after the show through emails and stuff, it seemed like it was just a breeding ground. Everybody's shaking hands and yep. exchanging yep. business cards and handling the same products. Uh, yep. But it, it's part of it. I mean, it's part of our society today, and you can't let it hold you back from doing things that you like to do. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, and that was the reason why I didn't go to uh, uh, the ATA show. And it wasn't because I was afraid of getting COVID. It was because I already had COVID, and I felt like, man, 
I wanted to go so bad, but I felt it was the responsible thing to do to stay home. I myself was like sick for a day and then didn't, you know, it wasn't until like two weeks later when I officially got tested um, that I knew I had it. I didn't get tested or anything, but uh, it was the right thing to do to stay home. And, and uh, um, but you made it there. And you were able to walk around and uh, look at all the new products, talk to a whole bunch of people. So let me just kick this episode off by asking this question. When you are on that showroom floor, um, is there anything particular that you're trying to look for? Like what things interest you personally? What things are going to maybe catch someone's eye on hunting gear deals? Uh, That kind of stuff. Like what are you looking for? What are you personally interested in? Okay, so I'm, I own huntinggeardeals.com, as you know, and what the first thing I'm looking for when I walk into the ATA show, I'm going to the innovation zone, and that's where all the new products are that um, manufacturers are looking to display. So I'll go through that area in detail, take some photos and notes from companies that are displaying new products that catch my attention. Sometimes you see the same product year after year in there. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you see something and you're like, ah, I want that. Mm-hmm. And if I see a product that really sticks out and it says either A, that's different, or B, I want that without seeing any marketing behind it, I know it's something that I should go into and investigate. And I try to go through booth by booth, but that innovation center, seeing those new products firsthand uh, without seeing getting a sales pitch or anything like that is really nice to be able to sit there and handle that without a lot of traffic and a lot of people there to aggravate you. Yeah. All right. So... You know, and we had a kind of a small conversation, I believe it was, um, between me and you, you know, before we recorded this podcast a while ago. What was that compared to other uh, shows? And I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the products. Um, was there a whole bunch of new innovation uh, this year? Was it a lot of uh, same like business as usual or what was the vibe that you got? Uh, I mean, there's there's a couple different vibes that goes along with the ATA show that we might get into later. But as far as new products, there wasn't a lot of innovation that caught your attention that you just had to have or you thought that was going to set the world on fire. I mean, some of the products that really caught a lot of traction really weren't that special until you get into some of those carbon fiber products that people hadn't seen before. Uh, but as an industry whole, uh, it was more like a catch-up year and a copycat year more than it was in an innovative year. Yeah. When you when you mean copycat, explain what you mean by that. Um, well, like a couple of, in years past, we've seen some products really take on and challenge the market to catch up or to lower price points, both of that. And we've seen some companies like trail camera manufacturers. Um, the reveal line of cameras have really kind of taken the market and taking a huge chunk of that market due to their price point and some of the features that they have for the price of that camera. And a lot of those manufacturers have had to lower prices on their cameras and in, innovate those or include the features that are included with some of their competitor cameras in that price point. Uh, so that was one of the first things that I've seen. Uh, a lot of um, interaction between the mobile hunting community and the mobile hunting community is probably the most innovative aspect of the industry right now the way it is because there's a lot of DIYers out there and manufacturers are capitalizing on somebody else's 
ideas and tweaks and they're starting to run with that and create businesses with those and that's a very fun part of the industry to watch and observe right now and to be a part of yeah what were what were some of those copycat products that you saw i mean you don't necessarily have to name the the companies themselves but what were the products that were that were getting and it's we use the term copycat loosely because it's not like they're directly copying. They're bringing in a product that's similar to fill a, uh, a gap in their lineup. Right. So yes, it's copying, but at the same time, these come, everybody does it. Um, yeah, for me, it's going to start with the trail camera market. Like I said, the, uh, you got the, the reveal X and the reveal, um, SK and XB lineup. And then you got the Spy Point Flex. You've got the Reconyx at a higher price point. And they're one of the unique features that you saw with those cameras where they were available to adapt to any network uh, as long as they're programmed for that. Basically, you turned it on. It found a better signal for you, and you don't have to have your own plan. So that was pretty. that's pretty cool to see. Yeah and give customers more options. Um, Some of it might be the saddle side of things. I mean, I haven't tested every saddle on the market right now, uh, but it seems like there's a new saddle company um, and there's a change to a saddle here and there. And without playing with those for time, multiple times, you're not going to see those differences. And it seems like everybody's getting a saddle platform and those platforms really don't look a whole lot different except for a couple manufacturers out there that made some tweaks this year, which we can talk about later on. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what about one thing I've noticed, and this is, like I said, without me actually going to the ATA show, it seems like a lot of companies, they feel that uh, introducing something new has value. It's important to to show that, hey, we're doing something over here. We're not really just treading water. Uh, we're adding new products. And those products that these companies are adding seem to be accessories. Did you happen to see any of that? Or what, what is your take on like the accessory game, like screwing steps or screwing hooks or, or trinkets that you can attach to something or another? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, I mean, even with the bow manufacturers, they all want an accessory lineup to sell with their bows. And you have to, on the back side of that, the dealers have to, if they're going to sell your bow, then you got to buy these accessories as well and push this accessory. Um, and that's on the archery side of it. Uh, but as far as like that goes, there was some innovation. I really liked, I think it's, I can't tell you how to pronounce it, but I think it's like X-E-N-E-K. And they have a lot of really neat accessories for like self-filming out of ground blinds and with like uh, GoPros and uh, attachments like that that I that really caught my attention because it's very unique and I thought man for turkey season that would be phenomenal uh, maybe not for gun hunting with during rifle season for deer uh, due to GoPros don't have that flexibility uh, for long range but some really neat side of things there Gotcha. Okay. So um, now, other than the copycat, like, uh, you know, the, the copycat market, the, the filling a gap, com- you know, the, the competitive side of things, was there any type of new, um, something innovative that, that caught your eye and you're just like, okay, this is actually pretty cool? Uh, for me, it was the introduction to carbon fiber with both um, you talked to our Timber Ninja already, I yep. think, on the feed. 
uh, in the tree in the tree stand as well as in the saddle platform. Uh, we've seen carbon fiber utilized in bows. We've seen it utilized in climbing sticks with success on both ends, and seeing that come to life. Uh, in a platform and tree stand, it's pretty neat. Uh, not necessarily in everybody's price points. Yeah, uh, for sure. But it is it is a nice option and provides value for someone looking for something different. Yeah. Am I going to go out and buy that? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, uh, probably not a twelve hundred dollar tree stand. But if that's the only tree stand you plan on buying and you want that cart to the, the carbon fiber benefits, then that's what you're going to go with. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, after talking to him, and again, I wasn't there to pick it up and hold it, but let's be honest, me and you are we we do a bit of the mobile hunting hunting stuff. I think it would be absolutely badass to have, right? Agreed. But that price point is just ridiculous. Like, I know that I know that it is one of a kind. It's new to market. It's 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 the bee's knees, I guess you'd say, when it comes to, um, you know, the lightweight, you know, thermal, uh, the thermal capabilities of it, and, and things like that. But just for twelve hundred bucks, man, that that is a that's a big commitment. When I can go out and, and buy a ton of other things with that twelve hundred bucks. You're exactly right. I mean, at that price point. And it's not like they're jacking the prices up on the consumer because they've got a new product. At the right. end of the day, that's a hard material to utilize to do something different with what they're doing. They're using that compressed carbon fiber. It's not like a hollow tube carbon fiber that we might see in uh, a bow or the, the fibers being wrapped. Yeah. You would see an arrow. So yep. uh, it's a very neat lineup. It's something it's only going to appeal to a guy that wants to do something different. Um and they see that small half a pound difference that it might make or that noise cancelization. Um, what I might end up buying, though, is the carbon fiber uh, platform for the price. I think it's just like in that $300 price range. It's like a pound lighter, and it's a little bit bigger than the heavier. Uh, I don't remember Tethered's different lineups on their platform names, but... Uh, basically, it's the weight of the small platform, but the size of their big platform only in that $300 range. So they kind of got something there. Uh, but I, those guys from Timber Ninja, they're, they were great. I enjoyed yeah. talking with those guys. I enjoyed the product. enjoyed the innovation. Respect that completely. Am I going to spend my money on it? No, probably not, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is what it is, right? And plus, I, I believe Timber Ninja, that that those products are American-made. So again, adding to the price of a of a product like that, the material where it's manufactured all plays a role in in what the cost is going to be. And he even admits to it, you know, in the interview that we we did. It's just that man, it, this this product isn't going to be for everybody. So on top of the you know that, uh, maybe maybe let's stick to mobile hunting. Uh, for a second, if you, maybe you have more to talk about on the mobile line, maybe not any other products that kind of stuck out, uh, to you or, uh, maybe a tweak on an old product for the mobile guys, the DIY guys. Okay. Uh, latitude outdoors brought out a different type of platform and it's got wings on it. Instead of it being a big square on the tree, it's a small square rectangle with two wings coming off the side of it. Basically it looks like a a giant step. Okay. Um, you still have that platform where you can stand and pivot and shoot from. And I don't know if you've ever tried saddle hunting yet. Not yet. Um, 
but it is a very innovative. It's like why didn't I, why didn't anybody else think of this? It reduces the weight of that platform, uh, but still gives you that functionality to move around. But it doesn't give you a lot of surface area to stand on. More of like a leaning against surface yeah. area. So that was pretty neat. Of course, the carbon fiber platform from Tethered that was that was really cool. Um, I think they won like best in show and stuff like that. So they've gotten a lot of attention. Uh, one of the coolest things that I found for like the mobile hunting, saddle hunting community was a backpack from Insight Outdoors. And it's the first backpack that I've seen that you don't have to make your mobile setup fit it. It fits your mobile setup. So it's got an internal compartment for your climbing sticks that locks them in place. Um, and it's kind of padded around it, reduces noise. And then on the exterior, you kind of you can lock in your platform as well, so everything fits in your backpack, nice and neat. Uh, your sticks are exposed on the ends, so it, they can be different lengths. Whether you had like full length lone wolf custom or lone wolf sticks versus um, the smaller one stick from Tethered, for instance, something like that. Yeah. Um, so the backpack for me is a must have. Um, if I'm going to hunt from a saddle next year, I'm getting that backpack from inside outdoors because it does everything that I wanted it to do and more. Gotcha. Um, I thought, I, th- I think that has, that has to be like a must have. Yeah. So it, it's something that got you excited, right? Yes, yeah. uh, yes, and uh, and I've done pretty decent. If I see a product that gets me excited, I understand that there's a market for it. Uh, yeah. But there's a lot of products out there that I see, and I'm like, that'll never sell. And then you look and like, well, I was wrong. Right, right. <laughs> Somebody out there wanted it. it. Wasn't me though. Yeah, yeah. All right, so maybe uh, less product. Was there any type of technology? Um, maybe a kick-ass app or. I don't know, something that was like digital or connected to your phone, or I know you, you talked a little bit about the, the technology on the trail camera side of things. Was there anything else? Yeah, there's a new mobile application called Jacked Tagged, and that's a J-A-K-T and then tagged. Uh, I think they're going to go but with Jacked in general, or Jacked is the name of the everything that they're going to com- comply with. But it's more than just a mobile application for communicating with friends. Um, I like the the idea of having a platform without algorithms and someone trying to sell me something that I can talk deer hunting and fishing and all this outdoor-related activities without being censored. So uh, for the social media side of it, there's no algorithms there that are going to bury me or keep me from seeing the people's people that I'm friends with or following on social media. Uh, so that's pretty cool in itself. Now there's a lot more features to this mobile application. Uh, they use uh, NFCs or QR codes to keep track of things. So you can take a, say the, some of the mounts probably sitting in your office right now that you're looking at, you can take all your tag information and put it into their system, put a, uh, a, a tag on it, a jacked tag. It's got a QR code that you scan. And then you can bring up, you can type in your um, where you killed it, date, all that um, information that you would need to make that mount legal to to have, and you can digitalize that. Now, what I'm curious on is if each state will will take that information for what it is and allow you to use that as your legal identification tag as they were trying to sell that as, Uh, because they were also uh, comparing it to waterfowl hunting and putting like 
um, they said one of the most common waterfowl or one of the most common game violations is not uh, separating whose waterfowl is who when you're in the duck blind. And okay. you put this, you put your you put like a toe tag on it basically, and you can scan and say this is mine, this is yours. Um, so whether or not that gets adopted and or accepted from your local game commissions, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, but it's it's nice technology to have incorporated into it, where you might see some of those QR codes uh, useful for everybody, regardless of whether you've got a, a deer mount on the wall or not, is in your freezer. Uh, so they have it set up to where you can scan this QR code and it'll bring you up the date that you killed this game, what it is, what cut of meat it is. And I can see this being a fun way to share wild game. A lot of that, a lot of people like to share the harvest as a way to in kind of educating people on why we hunt and things like that. So that would be a fun way to, hey, scan this. It'll kind of tell you a little bit about it, what kind of cut of meat it is, what kind of animal it was, where it came from, um, as well as keeping track in your freezers. Like, oh, this is out of date because a lot of times you write it with Sharpie and it rubs off or you forget to label it because you're in a hurry uh, on your way back to camp, whatever the case may be. So that's pretty neat, and I hope to see that grow. I, I've kind of – taking the initiative myself and I'm going to try to put start putting my own content on there uh, because I want to be a part of that community if it does take off. And I think those guys seem very well educated on uh, mobile applications and that technology. I just hope the hunting community embraces it and we can have a place without being censored. Yeah. So it's like a social, it's like part social media app. Yeah, it's part social media app, part um, tagging or tracking system for other components. And I think they're going to use that tagging system later on uh, for more things as they see use for it. But right now it's like it's kind of like it, you scan a code and it hooks up, brings up like a Google Doc form and uh, it has it already completed out or you fill it out and then it compiles this data for you. So huh. uh, you can think of it that way. It, it's pretty neat. Uh, some of that stuff seems like is every day, every everyday person going to utilize it? Maybe not, but I think we may all utilize a social media platform that it that it's kind of based around. Yeah. It sounds but, to me like it's like go well go wild have you heard of go wild yep i've used go wild yeah uh, I've, I've used go wild go wild's got uh, that social media group uh side of things for the hunting industry but you see a lot of product being sold on there from go wild yeah uh, and, and i understand the business side of that but that's kind of why i distanced myself from it initially i was like i'm being overwhelmed by sale pages so i get it i understand why some people unfollow my hunting gear deals for social media because they don't want to see it too. So yeah. I get it. Yeah, I feel you. Okay. So, um, all right. So that's something different, you know, like five years ago, you didn't see that kind of stuff coming out of the, the ATA show. Um, any misses? I know we talk a little bit about the hits, but was there, was there anything that you walked through and maybe a major company put out and you're just like, oh man, that's going to be a miss or something that you just you saw and you're like ah this ain't gonna work uh not a lot of stuff from like the big name brands i think a lot of times like i said there wasn't a whole lot of innovation this year uh but from brands that i wasn't necessarily familiar with going on there was a and i hate to laugh when i say that but the company that is rangu 
uh, it's a bicycle company. So okay. e-bikes are very popular. Yep. Uh, I've, I'm going to buy one this year. I finally made my cho- made my decision. I'm buying myself one, but it, I can say it's not going to be one of these bikes. And the reason being is they have two front tires. I saw and that. I, I saw I that. Little skinny tires, big fat tires. And I'm like, that's got to be heavy. And he's like, yeah, it only weighs 120 pounds. And I'm like. <laughs> only? <laughs> only? Only 120 pounds? I mean, what what are you going to do with it? I mean, you're yeah. going to throw it on a, on a four-wheeler trailer and have to haul a trailer and then pull it off? Uh, so I can't understand where that fits right now in the industry. They they promoted it with some safety features that it won't wash out. So it'll be in there, interesting to see if that's embraced. But I can't see that product. Um I can't see anybody picking a dual tired front wheel bicycle over a single dual wheel or single yeah. e-bike. Yeah. Um, when I've been on a handful of e-bikes before and maybe from a stability standpoint, the dual front tires, that plays a role. But if it's a hundred pounds, over a hundred pounds, I can pick up a regular e-bike and throw it in the bed of a truck with no problem. Right. Absolutely. But a hundred, a hundred pounds Man, that's like starting to get into dirt bike level. You know what I mean? Where where you might need a buddy to help you pick it up and put it into the into the back of the truck. Yeah, because it's not like a hundred and twenty pound dumbbell. You're talking about a an object that is big and bulky. Exactly. So you you add extra weight to length and weight and stuff like that. I can't imagine that being something that I would ever want to utilize. If if I'm using something that big and heavy. I might as well just grab my four-wheeler and go that route and put throw it on trailer because it's a lot less work. Yeah, that's a fact. What else? Any, uh, does, it doesn't necessarily have to be a miss or anything like that, but is there anything else that uh, kind of caught your attention at the show? Well, we can talk about the actual attendance of the show, and that, that made kind of a scene for that may impact the ATA show for years to come was yeah. the lack of attendance from some big-name players, some big brands. And then that chained down into the dealers seemed like they were less interested when they saw the leaders in the industry back away. Uh, Plus, you had COVID situations. You had some really bad weather that hit at the time where people needed to be traveling. Um, And then there were some smaller companies that just didn't show. I mean, there was a lot of empty space this year. Uh, that was just filled with random seating areas and stuff like that. And you look down the aisles and there weren't a lot of people there. And I know this is an industry only show and you could certainly fill those fl- the floor with people that want to be there because we all want to go. We all want to see those new products, but it's designed to help the dealer buy product at a discounted rate. In return, the uh, manufacturer knows how much of that product that it needs to budget to buy, sell, um, and it, that's what, how they're allowed to extend that, that discount there. The, you buy in bulk, you get that discount and it comes down from manufacturing all the way through. Um, and there's some rumors like, Hey, it's a, it's a money thing. And there's a lot of costs associated with it. When you start diving into it, um, a lot of it has to be with what has to do with the venue and the, um, the union associated with that. Um, there's rumors that if you have a pallet that needs picked up, it costs you a hundred dollars to start just for that, that forklift to touch it. Um, and some of these manufacturers were looking at over a hundred thousand dollars to attend this show for yeah. three days. Yeah. Uh, and when you factor in the fact that I hate to throw Hoyt's name out there, but Hoyt 
supposedly has enough orders right now backed up to where if they can complete those orders, it's going to be their most successful year they've ever had. So why spend that extra money and capital to go get more orders on products that you can't fulfill and for orders you can't fulfill right now because you don't have enough product. A lot of people have seen the trickle down effects from the chain supply, um, a lot of material coming in from overseas and um, things like that. And you're starting to see that translate into the market uh, because we just, they just can't keep up with demand. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. We'll see how that plays out in the next couple of years to see if these players come back, maybe prices come down to help uh, venues might change. So we'll, st- we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I think yeah. it really opens the doors for other players to take note. Um, I think people are, in the last couple of years are really starting to look at PSE more than what they have been in the past, especially with that new carbon bow and uh, the people that they've teamed up with on their engineering side of it. They're really putting out some good products and that was their opportunity to take over the show itself as far as getting the most attention. And uh, some of these bow manufacturers really stepped up. I think Athens got a lot of, uh, a lot of hype behind them coming in with a roller guard and things like that this year. Not a lot of changes from them, but some improvements. Uh, I didn't shoot every bow. I've got a shoulder injury, but I did shoot a couple bows that I was personally interested in buying. And uh, it's unfortunate that all the competition wasn't there to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And kudos to uh, companies like PSE, because I'll tell you what, in over the years, I've gone to the ATA show. I try to shoot as many um, bows as possible. Definitely the, the, the bigger companies. And although last this year, I didn't go to the ATA show last year. I didn't go to the ATA show. Um, but PSE, man, I don't remember their bows being that good personally, but the last handful of years, their game has been kicked up big time to where I decided to go with the Bowtech solution this past year, uh, and, and that's the bow I ended up shooting. But number two on my list was a PSE, and it was just by a hair that I picked the Bowtech over the PSE. Um, I don't know where where they came from, but you know they're you know some people love that, and, and this is a, this is a, a, a very personal. Uh, observation of you know of the the bows that i selected but i in the past i i didn't like pse but this last year they they came in second on my list and i i was like uh, i was pretty impressed oh you're exactly right and i was right there with you i I bought a bow back in 2010 from pse i shot it about a month and i was like i cannot do this and i traded it off lost so much money on that deal but I just wasn't happy with it, and I turned my back from looking, even looking at that direction for so many years. Uh, but in the last couple of years, man, especially that that carbon, uh, the stealth and the new one they've got out, that's really got my my wheels turning. I'm like, I don't want to spend that kind of money, but I really like that bow, and I think I could take that bow and create a super lightweight, well balanced bow uh, for some western hunting and stuff like that this year. So that, that's actually what I'm leaning towards. Yeah. is going with that route because I've got bought carbon bows in the past by from another manufacturer and they're they're a pound heavier than what they should have been because they they're no difference in weight. Uh, you get the 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 warmth of the carbon, but I only need that for a couple hunts a year. Yeah, I, I'd rather have that lighter weight myself and be able to take that weight and spread it into stabilization and stuff like that. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, man, as much as I know a lot of people from the ATA and the, and if you follow them on social media, their, their message was, it wasn't so bad. It was good. It was great. It was grand, but from a, and, and I was supposed to be there to, to talk. They gave me an opportunity to, uh, uh, to talk. I unfortunately, you know, uh, skipped out on it cause of COVID, but, um, I just like in this digital age, they can get the word out. Everybody's on social media. They can definitely get the word out about their products in other places. The orders I feel are still going to come in. Uh, and you know, for the last handful of years, it's been a smaller ATA show and the, the dealers, they say, you know, like, Hey, uh, Oh God, we got to have this day where the media isn't allowed because they're so, it's so annoying that the media is, is allowed on the floor uh, on the, on these days. And we're just not getting any business done. I just, I think that's an excuse, man. I, I don't think that's the case. And I feel that a lot of these companies, especially uh, companies like Hoyt and Matthews, and I think elite, you know, they weren't at the show. There's no need to spend that much money to attend a show like that when just like you said with Hoyt their or, the orders are already there so it's almost like they're doing that to keep up appearances but just imagine what a company could do if the orders are still there and they have an additional $100,000 for marketing for um R&D for whatever they want to do right they put that back into the company th- their their product is only going to get better you're exactly right, and I think that's where that focus is, may shift long term. Yeah. yeah, I can remember watching the ATA show threads and forums, uh, like Archery Talk, for instance, when I was back in college and just sitting there watching all day. What's new? What's new? Because we got and just waiting for somebody to post a photo because I couldn't be there. That's not there anymore. There's that content out is not there. It's hard to find content on the ATA show other than a few videos. And then everybody moves on because there's so much content being created by the manufacturers and stuff like that for a lot cheaper. And they're able to do that more efficiently. It's a, I would much rather see some of these bow manufacturers take a hundred thousand dollars, split 50,000 of it into conservation and, and then market the fact that they, instead of them going to the ATA show, put market, spend $50,000 market it, telling me that you spent $50,000 extra in conservation this year. Yeah. I would much rather see that than see them attend the show personally. Yeah, man, that's a, that is a, that's a very good point because a lot of companies just don't do conservation work. I, well, they may, yeah, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they do. Right. And they, uh, whatever I'm just saying, you know, like, uh, uh, walk the walk. Talk the talk and walk the walk, and you can do that if you uh, don't go to a, a big show like that. Now, I understand there's a lot of people who are like who are absolutely in love with the ATA sh- the ATA show and, and things like that. But whatever is what it is. Um, kind of getting back into the, the product side of things, um, clothing, right? Any any new products from some of the key players out there that that were oh that's cool or. Or did those people not show up either? I tell you what, uh, there was one brand out there. Oh, shoot. I hate to call them by the wrong name. 
Um, but they're kind of baking clothing based on being silent, like code silent or something like that. I can't but the guy that runs it used to work for Cabela's in developing a lot of their clothing lines. So it's not a flashy line of clothing. It's not something that might catch your attention walking by it. But if you look at it into what its design purpose is for and the R&D behind it, it's pretty neat. Uh, and it's not something that I caught on actually at the show. I remember walking by the booth and I went, oh, look, new clothing brand on the, on the, uh, is on the, on the horizon here. Yeah. Didn't know what was behind it until after the show and I started doing some research. Okay, what did I miss? That was one of the things that I missed. Yeah. Um, you seen a lot of the same players put out a new product line like scent lock, uh, scent blocker, things like that. Um, and it just seems like, hey, we've got a new pattern on a on the same exact type of clothing. Um so nothing big. I mean, you don't get a lot of you don't get sick of gear. You don't get Kuyu. You don't get first light there. So your three big players in the clothing world aren't at ATA. Um, so for me, the clothing is not where I focus in on because it's so individually. Yeah. Um, what I like to wear, what fits my body type, is not what fits your body type and what fits your hunting style. So yeah. I ignore that as I walk by it for the most part. Yeah. Well. Other than that, man, um, you know, before we, we wind down here, is there any other, any other products, good, bad, ugly that came out of the, the ATA show that you want to mention? Uh, I really liked what Bog did this year. Uh, they have a new line of backpacks and they look, I mean, they have backpacks for the average bow hunter like you and I, they have backpacks geared towards Western hunting. Um, it's pretty neat, uh, to look at. I mean, the aesthetics of those backpacks are beautiful. Uh, but they're very, they seem very functional, so it's nice to see a new player in that realm. Uh, Bog, a couple other B-O-G-G? No, just one G, B-O-G. Okay, okay. Uh, they also decrease the weight of their death grip. Uh, they have a carbon fiber Sherpa death grip. Uh, that was really nice. If people are into predator hunting, you can take the head off and use the tripod for self-filming out of ground blinds or taking mobile camera shots or something like that. Cobra had a really nice archery site. Um, if you're familiar with the React technology, basically you have set your pin gap from 20 to 60, shoot setting up, setting your sights, and then it just adjusts everything in between for you. You don't need sight tapes and measure and all this stuff. Yep. So Trophy Ridge come out with a digital version of the React Pro series previously. There's really nothing different other than a the different control on the right side as far as how you adjust instead of it being a wing it's a wheel now and then it has a digital display um not nothing really game changing but that technology is such a such a great tool already and you're just now starting to see some manufacturers kind of catch up to that i know they've got that technology patented so cobra is not a brand we usually think of when we think of they hire spot hogs and uh, Trophy Ridge has a higher end line and black gold sites, but Cobra has a, it's called the radius and okay. it's, it, it adjusts just like the Trophy Ridge react series, but instead of the pins moving straight apart, it rotates backwards or forwards to adjust that pin gap. And it all adjusts at one time with the turn of a screw, not a lot of bells and whistles. It's built like a tank. It doesn't look like it's going to have a failure to it. If you remember the old Spot Hog Hunter sites, 
that was that were built solid bar, very streamlined, very strong and durable. That's what it reminds me of with the um, the the right React style technology to adjust that pin gap. Yeah, I really like that. Decent price point, under two hundred bucks. Um, looks like something that I would like. Um, there were some super lightweight accessories and stuff like that for your bow if you want to go that route. Bushnell had a, a rangefinder built for archery hunting that they claim to be the most accurate um, one they've ever ever produced or ever been produced in the industry. But at the end of the day, I just need to know the difference in one yard to the next. I don't need to know three inches. Yeah. Because um, it's not going to make that big a difference in the yardage is what I'm shooting with a bow. Yeah. So, but I had to play around with that. It seemed like a very quick, um, very easy to use rangefinder. I really liked it. Uh, maybe a couple other misses. Um, the Elevate Stand Company, they br- uh, brought out the Element Hang On Stand, it's a water jet stand. Kind of kind of odd with the price point versus the weight. Um, they're trying to compete in that high-end market that the Beast Gear and Lone Wolf Custom Gear stuff's in. But the way those tree stands mount to the tree, I, I'm not even I'm not going to recommend somebody even purchasing it until um, that changes. Um, it has a wrap style system instead of using a ratchet strap or a pull strap. You basically take your strap and you wrap it around the the stand itself and you kind of hook it together. I, I'm, I don't understand the way they got that passed through TMA. Maybe there's more to it. What I was the know, name of the company again? Elevate Stands. And the only stand that they brought out was the Element Hang-On Stand. So it's got a super weird uh, setup the way it hooks up. It's not like the traditional pull strap. To tighten it up it's not and steel rope it's basically it looks like a regular strap without any attachments to it and it just hooks through their um, hang-on bracket it's it caught caught my attention but it, not for the right reasons okay so okay I'm, I'm trying to look at some pictures here of it but um i mean it looks it looks great. It looks look great. It. Yeah, I mean, and if so what didn't you like about it? If you, you if you look where it connects to the tree, instead of you putting on a uh, like a pull strap or a ratchet strap, yeah, that connection piece is not hooks like you're familiar with on a tree stand. Okay, it's it's basically you twist it through there and make almost like a knot around it and hold it in place without any pull or cinch to it. Hmm. Uh, very very odd design very something that i don't quite understand and it, it was like i guess it's a weight reduction thing or it's a patent issue i do, uh, under, I, do think, I do think it's a patent issue that they're trying to skip around and let you buy your own product that they don't sell i think that's what it is because there's if it's a if they're using water jet to cut that stand there's a patent pending on that by another manufacturer so Okay. At the end of the day, I don't know if that tree stand is going to be around long term, but yeah. it does offer a okay price point. It's like four hundred and some bucks for like a ten pound stand, but it's a little bit more empty in in their design than some of these other tree stands that we've seen. Yeah. So also looks like know. you have to have a straight tree for it to work. I think it does have an adjust. I think it has an adjustability. 
um, forward backwards, so. but not right left, right? Like the lone wolf yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. forward backwards. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, can't use it. <laughs> Sorry, um, but and another thing that I'm looking at on this stand is, I mean, it looks cool, but the gapping between the on the platform just looks huge. And and that you'll see that same large gapping in the Timber Ninja carbon fiber stand as yeah. a weight reduction tool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not a big, I mean, I don't have a big foot, so I would hate to be turning and my, the heel of my foot drop in that. And then I'm hanging from my harness while a big buck blows and what runs away. Yeah. That's so that's another thing um, that I, I'm not very comfortable with myself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I, I derailed you there, but yeah, something to take that's a look great. at. No, that, that was right. Um, I mean, we could go into the crossbow side of things and, I hate to go down that route and say crossbows are bad, but man, they're getting into that 500 feet per second plus range. Yeah. They're so compact and they don't have limbs even at this point in time. It's right there on the rail system and they're like four or five inches wide. Yeah. Uh, so it's really starting to push that envelope. And I, and I understand every, every technology that we have pushes the envelope to its limits. And you, then you either create a new category or you create, or you raise those limits on that. But yeah, I think you're going to start seeing, you're already seeing the trail camera market or the trail cameras be attacked uh, for certain usages and things yeah. like that. Wouldn't be surprised if they, if we keep pushing it and marketing is your crossbow is your next rifle and you're shooting three inch groups at 130 yards. Um, you're going to, cr you're going to raise some red flags. So yeah. it's, it's not something I don't support because I'm, I plan on buying one for some youth hunts and stuff like that this year, but that's probably not the model that I'm going to go with yeah. um, myself. Yeah. Crossbows are interesting. Trail cameras are definitely interesting. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, you know, it's only a matter of time. I mean, the, the, the technology is there. The battery life probably isn't there yet. But it's only a matter of time until someone can log on to their phone and live feed their woods. You know what I mean? Like switch between the cameras or, you know, or, hey, I want to I want to see what this food plot is doing right now. And hell, even have the ability to move the camera in the housing just to scan uh, one way or the area and say, I'm not going to hunt tonight because there's no deer out right now. You know what I mean? Like, I feel I feel like that type of technology is coming. Um, it's just a matter of making it work uh, from a from a, a financial standpoint. And then on the crossbow market, crossbows are definitely becoming more popular. Um, but at the same time, some of these are so powerful now that you know. And and I hate to be that guy who says "what if," right? My 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 bow is not going to explode if it's just sitting there. Right. But if something knocks a crossbow and it's loaded, man, there's a lot of power that's going somewhere. Right. And who knows what that is. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not talking trash on crossbows. I'm just saying, um, there's a, a lot of crossbows out there that are designed really well and I would never have a problem shooting them. But some of the ones that you're talking about, they're just cannons, man. You're exactly right, and I'm in the same boat. Like, I thought at the end of the year that I'm like, I'm not going to be able to pull a bow back. I'm going to have to buy a crossbow. Yeah. So, like, I'm not against the crossbow side of it. It's just how far should we take it? Yeah, because um, I'm, I'm going to buy a crossbow for my kids and my wife. 
this year to, to mess yeah, around I think, with. I think if you, if you didn't, you would be doing a disservice to them because yeah. you're not providing them that, that opportunity to hunt and enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, because they're not probably not ready for compounds and stuff like that and being able to bring them along. And that's the same exact reason why I want one. Yeah. Uh, I just think there's got, there probably needs to be some limitations on what we do. And we may be coming to that. I mean, you've already seen that, uh, in a, basically technology kind of tap itself out in the archery industry. We yeah. we make it smoother, but our feet per seconds are about about as far as it's going to go right now, unless right. there's a huge change. But as of right now, most manufacturers are going to tell you they've pretty much plateaued on where they can get to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's the, the crazy thing. Every year there's something that comes out that's really cool, like what Bowtech did with their cam system and, and what uh, certain brands have done to – basically removing a bow press from any type of adjustments that you need. Right. So, um, you know, certain, certain adjustments, not all adjustments, but, um, that kind of technology is really cool. And then on top of that, all the other technologies in the world eventually get absorbed into some type of market and the hunting industry as itself gets older, almost is becoming younger it's switching right because the 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 hunting industry always used to be this old boys club but as new and youthful people start to get involved in it take over companies or get hired into companies this new technology that's already out there in the world starts to flood into this market into this industry it's good i i think that in the next the next 10 years as far as products are going to are concerned there's going to be some really cool uh products coming out yeah, I mean, even touching back with something you said earlier about live streaming trail cameras, yeah. uh, Spark's already got one right now. Something walks by, I get a notification, and I can turn that camera on and I can watch it. Yeah, and I've had I've had that for a year or two. Yeah, so that technology's there, and they released an upgrade to that model there. Um, so we're gonna. I mean, I just hate to go down that route of setting ourselves up for failure yeah. um, and criticism. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a, a topic of discussion. So, well, I tell you what, man, uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on the podcast and, and talk with us about what you saw at the ATA show, talk about the market and the industry in general. And, uh, man, uh, thanks for your time. And, and again, tell everybody uh, where they can find uh, hunting gear deals. And it's always a pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me. But if you guys want to uh, learn more about huntinggeardeals.com, go to www.huntinggeardeals.com. Sign up for the daily deal email. You'll find the links to the best deals around the hunting hunting industry uh, for online retailers as well as gear reviews. And I'll have some wild game recipes coming out this year. So uh, thanks to a person that I met at the ATA show, actually. So we, we kind of hit things off, and I think we're going to do some content to creation together. So that should be fun. Perfect. All right, man. Well, you have a good one, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan.